This is the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. And each week you can listen to the sermon from our most recent Sunday morning service. And we do this so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. This particular sermon was from January 1st, 2023, and the text was Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. morning is New Year's Day, of course, and we will finish our Christmas-themed services this morning, and we're looking at the story of the Magi. You've heard that. And as, as Andrew mentioned, we're looking at the story from the focus of that Jesus was not just a Jewish king or a Jewish Messiah. He was coming for the whole world, and we're using the story of the Magi to focus on it from that angle. And so... I know you all probably already know the story. It gets mentioned every Christmas by churches and in songs on the radio. People who have never been inside a church building probably still know of the Magi, the Three Kings. And like sometimes teachers and preachers need to spend some time trying to sort of disentangle the cultural story from what scripture actually says. That's not my main goal, so I'm not going to go there too much, although I may make a few mentions here and there. What Matthew tells us is not not a lot of detail, and but I want to just start and look at the story briefly to lay the foundation, and we'll try to look at it from the angle that Jesus was the king for the whole world. This is the coming of somebody for the nations, not just for the Jewish people. Matthew 2, 1 and 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod about the time. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose and we have come to worship him. So we don't know who these wise men or probably maybe more properly magi in some Modern translations, we don't even know even what to call them. It's kind of strange. They're probably astrologers of some sort. But the point for this morning is they were not Jewish people. God was revealing himself to a wider group of people than just his people, the children of Abraham. And we don't know where they were from. Uh, Probably, possibly somewhere in modern day Iraq. A lot of people will guess somewhere near the ancient city of Babylon, But we don't know for sure. Other people think in Persia. But again, the point for this morning is not Jerusalem, not Israel. God was revealing himself much wider than that. And so whoever they were, wherever they were from, God had revealed to them that the king of the Jews was born and that this new king was going to matter enough to them that they were going to travel a long distance, probably around 600 miles straight, if it was roughly in Babylon, but could have been much further than that, certainly as they traveled. So Jesus was was born, and we don't know what they saw when he was born or around that time. It was something in the sky. Some people will guess a star or a constellation or perhaps a comet. Other Other people think it may have been an angel or some sort of... um, expression of God's radiance or his light, but whatever it was, they saw it and they understood what it meant. Uh, It seems very likely that they were familiar with the Jewish scripture. 
in some way. And so when they saw the star, they were thinking about the prophecies that someday a king would come in Israel who would impact the entire world, who would impact them, even though they were so far away. But even David, Solomon, the two of the greatest kings of Israel's history, they ruled only very small areas if you look at a map. But somehow the Magi seemed to understand that this king, that they had seen a sign of this king, was going to be more influential than anybody who had ever been before. And I guess what I'm trying to say as we, as we start this story, as it, as it gets laid out, I mean, if I, if I had just heard or read in the newspaper that a new king or queen was born in some place like Denmark, I would not consider it important news. It would be kind of irrelevant to me. Why does it matter that there's a new king born in this place far away? But see, for the wise men or the magi, they knew that this king born in that tiny little place, that little country far away, that this king would change the whole world. At least I assume that they knew that or had some inkling of that. Otherwise, would they, why would they travel so far to be able to find him, to be able to worship him? Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? So Herod was king, and of course, when he heard that there was somebody else born who was going to be a king, and these, these sort of influential and respected people had showed up with wealth and prestige to honor this, Herod was afraid. And he knew enough of Jewish scripture to realize that the one he needed to be afraid of was the king who had long been promised, the one anointed by God, the Messiah. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he said, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And so his advisors, they said, well, if the Messiah is going to be born, it's going to be in Bethlehem, because they said, in Bethlehem of Judea. They said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. And so you might, you might know the story. I don't want to read all of it to you. They traveled to Bethlehem. They found the house where Jesus' parents were staying. So people sometimes ask when this took place. We don't know. They were still in Bethlehem. But the word choice that Matthew uses, in contrast to Luke, indicate that Jesus was probably no longer an infant, a young child. Exactly what that means, we don't know. But the Magi came, and they worshipped him, they gave him gifts. And they traveled home a different route because they didn't want Herod to know where he was. They had an idea from an angel that Herod was a risk. And later on in the chapter, if we were to continue reading, we'd realize that Herod, Herod discovered he'd been tricked. He tried to kill this young boy by killing all of the young boys in the area. But Jesus and his parents at that point were already on their way to Egypt. And I think we see a little bit of the futility of Herod trying to stop God's plan. I just sort of wonder, did he really think that the God who could reveal the birth of a child through the stars to people 600 miles away was going to be thwarted by his efforts but in another level, we see the futility of Herod because Herod, Herod was worried about this king, and yet this king was not going to be a king like Herod at all. Somebody living in Jerusalem, ruling over a small piece of the Roman Empire, this king was going to change the whole world. And it seems as if the Magi knew more than Herod realized or Herod guessed. 
And so we heard early in our service about some Old Testament readings in which, which we get a glimpse that this new king who was coming was going to be a king for the nations, was going to bless the whole world. And I'm not going to read those again. I'm going to look at it some other Old Testament passages from a slightly different angle to try to emphasize the same point. In Genesis chapter 12, we read about God speaking to a man named Abram. And he said, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And it's sort of in my mind, again, just the focus here, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All families on earth will be blessed through you. This all families on earth will be blessed through you. From the beginning of time, or the beginning of this story, I should say, we get this glimpse of a vision that God has. He was going to bless Abraham. But not so Abraham could be awesome or so that his children or his grandchildren would be rich or powerful or wonderful. It seems the point of his blessing to Abraham was so that everyone else would be blessed as well. This gets repeated in Genesis 22. I won't read that. You can if you want. Same idea. Abraham will be blessed. His descendants will be blessed. And through those descendants, everyone will be blessed. But I will focus on another time when this promise gets Repeated, but this time to Jacob, Abraham's grandson. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. So this was the promise, and this was the vision. God will bless this family, and all families will be blessed through it. But the years went by, and the years passed, and this really never came about. You might remember the story from your Sunday school classes or someplace like that. The family multiplied. They ended up in Egypt. They became slaves. God set them free from slavery, and he did give them their own land, the land that he had promised to Abraham. And they lived there for many centuries until then they were sent away into exile because they turned away from God. They were eventually restored. But throughout all of this time, the nations were not blessed through them, at least not much. Even David at the peak of his power or Solomon at the height of his grandeur did not bring much blessing to the world. In fact, I don't get, when I'm reading, I don't get much indication that they even tried or were thinking about this. And actually Solomon didn't even seem to care about blessing his own people. When we read 1 Kings 12, he burdened his own people so that he could live in luxury and splendor. So we get this idea that about 2,000 years passed from when God gave that promise to Abraham, a promise that he would bless Abraham so that the whole world could be blessed through him. And for that 2,000 years, it seemed like nothing was happening. So when the Magi saw that this new king was born, somehow and in some way, somehow they realized that this king was going to be different than everything that had happened before. This king was going to impact the whole world. So they traveled maybe approximately a thousand miles up and around the desert to arrive in Jerusalem to worship this child who was born as the new king of the Jews. And then when this king, this boy, grew up, he started his work kind of locally. In Matthew 10, we read that he sent out his disciples two by two to bless the people, to announce the kingdom, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to drive out demons, and he sent them only to the people of Israel. 
But then in Matthew 15, we read that story of a Canaanite woman who came to Jesus to ask for healing for her daughter. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, but Jesus essentially said, wait a minute, but I was sent to the Jewish people. And she said, well, yes, but shouldn't that blessing then go through you to the rest of us? And Jesus healed her daughter. You can read that and get the what I paraphrased. But this is an example of where we start to see that the blessing is going wider than just to the Jewish people. But it's at the end of Matthew, if we're sticking to Matthew, where we begin to really see this extension of the ministry, of the vision, the goal of this kingdom. In the end of Matthew, when Jesus' work on earth is done, sin and death have been defeated, Jesus has been raised. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But what I'm focusing on, of course, is this idea, go and make disciples of all the nations. We see Jesus going wider. At the beginning of Acts, we get a very similar, similar message, slightly different wording. Acts 1.8 and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus is a different kind of king and a different kind of kingdom. That's another sermon for another time, but his kingdom is not limited to just one people, just one place, just one family. And the Magi seemed to get a glimpse of this or to understand it in some way. There was somebody born in a country far, far away from them, but they realized that he would be king, not just of a tiny little group of people, but king of everybody, or a king in some way that would impact them so that they came to worship him. So, so when God first spoke to Abraham, he promised to bless Abraham, and he promised that that blessing would then extend through Abraham to the whole world. And certainly part of that blessing from the beginning was pointed toward Jesus, this could only be fully fulfilled through Jesus. The freedom from sin, reconciliation between people and God only through the work of Jesus. But if we read that blessing, we'll see it's more than just that. All along the way, there was this another aspect of this blessing, maybe more of an earthly blessing. Hungry people would eat, sick people would become well, families would grow and multiply. So we read, for example, in the Old Testament of laws that God put in place to care for the foreigner. So God intended to bless others even through his people, the children of Abraham, at that point. He would bless them, and then in turn that blessing would extend wider to the nations. So the blessing was not only for a long distant future, far away. It was intended all along, I think, as God's people were going to reveal God to the world around them. And I realize some people probably will argue with some of what I'm saying, but, but at least go back and read the Old Testament. And I think if you read about it with this question in your mind, you'll see that God did not bless Israel so they could huddle together and be comfortable and happy and content, waiting for that Messiah someday while the world around them suffered. It doesn't also, it doesn't seem to be any kind of a, a vision in which they would sort of reach out to the world by expanding their kingdom, by conquest, so that they could subjugate their neighbors and pursue a world like dominion or rule. It was a different kind of blessing, but it was a blessing to the nations from the beginning. They would be blessed so that the blessing would flow through them 
to everyone around them. And then all of those people would be pointed toward the one true God, and they could know and they could worship this God, and then they would receive God's blessings as well. And then, in due time, when the Messiah finally came, that greatest of all blessings would continue to flow through Israel to the nations. And that was the vision. It seems like they kind of forgot this. Too often they seem to focus only on this blessing for themselves and not for someone else. I want to sort of demonstrate what I'm thinking here by looking at the blessing that God gave Jacob in Genesis 28. I have a little more text here because I want to try to get the whole wording just to capture it. He said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And what's more, I'm with you and I'll protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised you. So that, that is the blessing that God gave Jacob. And in, in Genesis 48, Jacob remembers this blessing, and he kind of summarizes it, and here's what he says. This is what he remembers God saying. I will make you fruitful, and I will multiply your descendants. I will make you a multitude of nations. I will give you this land of Canaan to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. So he, Jacob remembered the many children, how they would spread far and wide. He remembered that God had promised the land of Canaan to him and to his descendants, but it seems that he forgot, or at least he didn't mention here, one rather important line that had flowed all along here, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. So it's on my mind to sort of challenge us to think today about how often we are just like Jacob. So we know from Scripture that Jesus intends to bless us so that we can bless the world as the church goes out through all of the nations carrying the message and the work of Jesus but sometimes it's pretty easy for us to receive the blessings, new life in Christ, reconciliation with God, but also physical blessings of, of food or health or resources, jobs, incomes, to receive them, to enjoy them, to keep them for ourselves, maybe to try to pass them to our children, and, and we forget that God doesn't want us to stop there. I think the same message that God gave to Abraham and Jacob is the same message he would give to us. I want to bless you so that the blessing can then spread throughout the world. So on this particular Sunday, when we're reading the story of the Magi, I want to sort of ponder it this way. The Magi saw from very far away what God was doing, and they recognized it, and they traveled a thousand miles to find this king. But I kind of figure that God's desire, his, his dream, would have been that his own people would have recognized what he was doing and that they would then have sent messengers a thousand miles away to spread the news that the new king had come and the kingdom was beginning. And that took a while, but God's people got it in the church. So God is still at work today and people still see what God's doing and they turn to him and they work hard to find him, but, but sometimes we're too much like the people of, of Jesus' day when he was born and we wait for people to come to us. 
but instead we should be the ones who are going out and bringing the message of Jesus with us and sharing the newness of the kingdom to people far away. So God has blessed us very greatly, physically and spiritually. So let this be a year in which we remember that we have not been given these blessings just for ourselves or just for our families. God has given these blessings so that we can take his message and his hope and his healing to the nations. listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from January 1st, 2023, and the passage was Matthew 2, 1-12. Take care.